Blog Talk Radio. The beat goes on. The beat goes on. Drums keep pounding a rhythm to the brain. La da 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 dee. La da 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 da. Charleston was once the rage, huh?
this is a show that is brought to you by the Human Solution International and given a place to live by the Coffee Party Radio Network. And it is a podcast, not a broadcast, which means we can say what we want, when we want, and how we want to say it. Hey, Pete, how's it going? Um, I try to keep it a fairly PG show when possible, but it's uh, some very pointed, important, uh, sometimes dark topics that we get into, and sometimes um, some sharp language is necessary to accent a point. Um, I'm not one of those MFR guys too much, so if I do throw a bomb out there, it's probably for uh, a specific purpose. Um, but neither here nor there really doesn't matter. That's not a reason to uh, listen or not, not a reason to call or not, just a point of reference. If you want to participate in this podcast, here's how you do it. You pick up your telephone, cell phone, landline, whatever phone calling device. You could probably call from your computer if you're fancy enough. And you dial these numbers, 646-929-2495. At which time an amazing person by the name of Noncompliant Mary will pick up the phone and ask you a few pertinent questions. One of the questions might be, do you want to talk to the host? If you do, give her a clue what you want to talk about. Tell her your name, and we'll put you in queue. This show is brought to you by The Human Solution, but it's made possible by you. These uh, shows are only amazing because you participate in them. Otherwise, it would just be two hours of me yapping into the wind and might be some interesting points, might be some boring points, but you all are the ones that make this a live and interesting show. So I recommend, I encourage, I uh, hopefully inspire you to participate. Um, If not, we'll have a reasonable show. The other way you can watch this show is um, the live stream. It's on Facebook. Lisa Wooldridge, the Vice President of the Human Solution International, is broadcasting it from her page, and I am broadcasting it from the public figure page. Hopefully, we have a good feed today, and um, everything will be continuing through the course of this. Occasionally, my feed will drop off, and today I'll probably put up with it once or twice, and if it doesn't go, if it, if it drops off after that, I'll just cut it loose. Lisa's is usually pretty good, and she'll keep it running one way or the other, so uh, hopefully... If you're watching this, um, feel free to share it. Let people know. Again, the show is made amazing by everybody that participates. Um, Let's see. we got the call-in information. we got the Facebook information. What do we want to talk about today? Um, I really don't have a show planned, so we'll talk about what we think is important. We'll likely be having Craig Cecil call in. Um, the next 15, 20 minutes, and uh, George Martorano is scheduled to call in towards the end of the show, and he's got a few things he wants to say, and we'll see. Hopefully, we've got enough uh, content to take us to that point. Typically, we have uh, Tom Corby and company, and Pete Yample and company, and the Keelings, and uh, a whole slew of folks. Um, today we're running a little light, so we'll see what happens. Um, so we got some news 
you know, I get fed news stories like uh, like it's pudding, and every day I get Facebook shares and text message shares and email shares, and did you see this article, and did you see that article, did you read this, and did you read that, and I'll be honest, most of the time I don't even answer. Most of the time I don't click on it, I don't look on it, I don't, you know, because most of the stories that are being passed around are frankly not what people think they are. I can remember in California probably about six or seven or maybe eight years ago, ten years ago, something like that, when California's uh, Prop 215 was um, being tested and there was a lot of case law that was coming and going out of it. And there was the, the Hockenadal or um, ruling and there was the um, geez, I'm trying to think of all the all the different rulings that we used to cite. Anyways, one of the cases was thrown out of the appellate court, and it got put up to the Supreme Court. And I don't know if you understand the way this thing works, but your Supreme Court is an option that you don't control your state Supreme Court especially, all you can do is submit an appeal that was rejected by the appellate court and hope they hear it. But I can remember, it was I think the case was out of San Diego, and I don't, I don't remember the specifics, but I can remember when the Supreme Court refused to hear this case, or they didn't hear this case, and it was like, all the news in the world. Everyone's was like, oh, the Supreme Court didn't hear this. I'm like, the Supreme Court doesn't hear most cases. But it made the news, and it got shared to me a hundred times. And, you know, I wish I had enough time and energy to be the guy that can just go through the news and tell you the truth about it. Um, sometimes I know that truth. Sometimes I don't. I try to, I try to be up on things and how, how things really work. I know that we live in a time today, and I don't believe it was always this way. I believe, I believe at a time, some time in the past, some point in the past, that journalists were actually journalists, and that journalists' job was to actually report events as they happened in a reasonably non-biased way and a reasonably accurate way. And I believe there was attention to detail at one point in our history and checking of sources and things like that. But if you watch the news today, you can tell who owns the news company by the stories they, they, uh, they cover and at the slant that they cover them, if they're positive towards a certain thing or negative towards a certain thing or if they cover a certain thing or if they don't cover a certain thing, go wouldn't Research that company a little bit and go see whose money is behind it. Follow the money. Isn't that kind of a classic um, detective technique? See who's funding it. Well, guess what? There are news companies funded by liberal-minded folks, and there are news companies funded by conservative-minded folks. And there's news companies funded by... Um, you know, just about all sorts of things. But if you 
pay attention to these things and you listen to the stories that are covered, the angle that they're covered at, the opinions. Hey, Glenn, how's it going? The opinions that are being rendered through this, listen to the commentaries, the, the you know, it's, it's, if you were to listen to both sides of this news, you would think you're listening to two different worlds, two different series of events. There are stories that are important world events that barely get a blip on some news station. And there are stories that are just a bucket of horse dung that get all kinds of coverage on a lot of news stations. And I can't help but think how many of us are critical-minded enough to separate this crap. How many of us are critical-minded enough to actually, I don't know, pay attention to how the country works? You know, people talk about, oh, the president's going to going to make cannabis Schedule 1 or not Schedule 1 anymore. It's like, he doesn't have the power to do that. How the fuck can you even assume that that could even happen? It's not a thing that the president can do. You know, they were talking about Obama was going to do this and Obama was going to do that. He did this crap for eight years. He didn't do crap when it came to cannabis. Not anything. Okay? And we'll see what happens with this we're not talking about this president per se. I'm just saying the way people perceive the world and our country is in particular and the way things happen and don't happen, I wish there was a little more attention to detail. The quickness of which people will see a headline and forward a story and suck up somebody's valuable time without even reading it and checking it to see if it's factual or important or relevant in any way. I don't know. I wonder sometimes. I wonder why it is that we get stomped on so bad, so often, so quickly, and so poorly. Maybe it's our fault. Maybe maybe some of it has to do with our unwillingness, our inability, our, I don't know, what keeps us from being more more engaged, more focused, more driven, more willing, more capable. I don't know what it is that keeps that from happening. It's human nature, I suppose. Sometimes it's impediments. Sometimes it's a series of events, unfortunate and fortunate. Don't know. But I'm here to talk about it. I'm here to engage you. I'm here to get hear what you have to say. I'm here to hopefully... Open a few eyes. That's kind of the whole point of all this. This is something that is a bit of a chore to do, but it's something that I love to do. Every week comes up and it's like, oh, i got to do the radio show. i got to stop what I'm doing, focus my attention for two hours, and engage this. But the second I turn it on, it becomes my world, and I love it. And I love everything about it. And I love the fact that um, even a handful of people have participated. I love the fact that I have no control over any of this, whether uh, five or 10,000 people see it or whether 200 people see it. I, I, I love that. I love the fact that we can exist in this world, communicate in a way that we have virtually no control over, and yet... Throughout the week, I'll get calls, I'll get messages, I'll get 
feedback saying, oh, I saw your show, I listened to this, this, and that, and the other thing. You know, it's the funniest thing. I don't know if I mentioned it last week or not, but my uh, daughter was married a week and a half ago and um, at the wedding. I had some people that I hadn't seen in a while, people that had never been a member of the Human Solution, people that have known me for many, many years. One person, and I don't know if she's listening or not, maybe she is, I love her to death. I've known her since she was, hell, I don't know, seven years old. She she came and uh, uh, hunted eggs at some of the very first Easter egg hunts that we had at my property way back 20 years ago. And she grew up and she uh, had, had kids. I actually performed a wedding ceremony, uh, married her and one of her husbands <coughs> here on my property many, many years ago. And uh, she has a few kids now, and uh, a couple of kids anyways. <coughs> and um, she was there at the wedding, and her kids are reasonably grown up now and bigger than I could remember. And she says, you know, Joe, I've been listening to your show, and I'm blown away. And I thought to myself, well, you know, of course, I'm at a wedding enjoying myself and having the best time, and really just I was... I was I was in bliss with loved ones and you know good friends that I spend my my normal time with and just celebrating an, an amazing day. And to have this girl that I really have very little connection with anymore. I mean we don't see each other very often. Um, and as much as you know she may have been supporting in spirit, I never saw her during my trial. Um, you know. There was a lot of folks that supported, but I never never saw them. Anyways, I saw her, uh, or she said, you know, she listens to the show, and she's, you know, she's moved by it. I was, I was, I was hit with mixed emotions. <laughs> I was like, okay, so <coughs> that's fantastic. Now, what are you going to do if, if this is effective in any way, shape, or form? What are you going to do? That's the point of all of this, folks. This isn't something that I'm doing just to talk and be heard. I, I hear my voice plenty. Hell, you hear my voice is cracked and broken most of the time That's because I use it too damn much. I know what I sound like. That's not the issue. The issue is I want these words to have meaning, and I want these words meaning to have impact, and I want this impact to move you. And I mean move you, like get you off your ass and do something, okay? I saw an article the other day about some group out there, which, whatever, I'm not going to disparage anybody. I appreciate every action, trust me, and I mean this from my heart. But they delivered a box full of signatures to something, and I was like, how much energy did we put into gathering signatures? And does it really matter? Does anybody really care about these polls and these these um, petitions? You know, we spend a lot of time writing their name on things. What if we were all to write a letter to our congressman? What if we were all to pick up the freaking phone and talk to these people? What if we were to show up in their session and say, hey, I'm a real person here? What if we were to actually do something that was, 
give us a voice rather than I'm with them. I mean, it's better than nothing, don't get me wrong. I appreciate it, but all the effort that we put into a petition, a, you know, I'm with them. I understand the process of passing laws and getting initiatives on the deal. I'm not talking about that. We all got to do what we got to do. But you see, within us all, within every single one of us, we have the power to change this. Each and every one of us, we can change this. And we don't need a signature. And you don't need another law to be passed. We just need to stand together with one voice and say, you know what, we're not doing this anymore. We just need to stop putting up with the oppression. We need to do it together as as, as a unified body instead of 10,000 little bodies that are bouncing around and helping one and hurting the other one as fast as we're doing it, you know. And then that's that's what this show's about. I'm trying to encourage folks to take some meaningful action, to put some thought into it. When we do letter writing campaigns, that's a real action that gives you an opportunity to put your thoughts to words and take those words and put them to paper and take those papers and put them in the hands of somebody that could actually read them and be touched by it. Don't you think that's a little more impactful than signing a piece of paper that 10,000 other people signed? I don't know, maybe. I'm not saying don't sign the piece of paper, but that's like that's like wake up in the morning and tie your shoes. Sign the paper. Okay, now what do I do? Where do I start working? Sign the paper. Yeah, everybody sign the paper. All right? I talk to a lot of people during the course of the day. I don't spend already any time anymore on social media. Um... I don't spend much time in the broadcast world anymore. I used to. I used to go and, and, and speak publicly a lot. Um, I used to find any any opportunity I could. And the reason why is because I had an active case. For six years, I was being charged with a dozen felonies and being, being threatened with 12 years in prison <clears throat> over the course of three cases. <coughs> I needed people to hear about my story. I needed people to care about my story. I needed people to show up at my court cases. I needed people to be there for me. And I was willing to be there for you in exchange. And I did, and it worked. Okay, but that was years ago. It was four years ago they dropped my case finally. Four years. This is not something that happened yesterday. Since that time, I'm still doing this, folks. But I don't have a case today. Thank God I'm heaven above. And hopefully I'll never have a case again. But that doesn't mean that this isn't still as important as it ever was. I said back then, in 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013, and 2014, when they finally dropped it, that this case wasn't about me. But I had to deal with it. (coughs) And so my (coughs) freedom in life depended on it, and it did. And so because of that, I got on every stage I could. And I spoke at every group meeting that I could. I held every meeting I could. And I grew the Human Solution International as big as I possibly could. You know why? Partly selfish. Because I knew that the bigger it was, the more people I could get to engage, the more we could get done, 
and the more likely I was to win my case. In the process, again, I was willing to pay that forward, pay it during and pay it back. And I attended probably more court cases across the country than anybody I've ever known. That doesn't mean anything. I don't, I'm not tooting my horn over this. <laughs> I'm just saying that I know what it takes to grow this thing big. And over the time that I did that, I, we did. We grew it. We had thousands, literally thousands of members, more than more than a thousand for sure, maybe a couple thousand. I don't know what our actual numbers were. We had 45 live active chapters. We were across, we had, I don't know, 12 chapters in California alone. We were in multiple states, multiple countries. We were all over the place. We were active. We were we, we showed a force in every um, every event that happened. I was invited to speak at every event. We were at the every hemp fest, everything, the the hash bash, the you name it. We were there. Okay. And I've got recordings of all of these things. Every once in a while, I go back and I and I watch because I wanna I wanna learn, you know, what's changed, what worked, what didn't. And I can remember many trips, you know, and I spent I don't know, probably a thousand hours on the road at my expense. Sometimes people helped out, sometimes they didn't. But my time was donated. My wife's time, when she came with me more often than not. We stopped our life. We just went on the road and went to go help folks. And when we got out there on the, on the at the event, and I can remember, you know, looking out across the, the the crowd of people. And sometimes there was dozens of people. Sometimes there was hundreds of people. Sometimes there was thousands of people. It didn't really matter. I tried to engage as I was looking out across the crowd. I would always look for somebody that was actually looking at me, and I would try to lock in on them and make a connection. It was it was a personal goal of mine to actually reach these people. I'm like, why am I here if not to incite people to think? And if they think, maybe they'll be moved to act because we have some real problems. Prohibition's a real problem. The war on drugs is a real problem. And it affects people in so many ways. So many ways. <clears throat> and through the course of all these events, we would grow. We would pick up a person here, a person there. There was a time <coughs> when my goal was the, you know, the leaders of other groups, the, the, the movers and the shakers. And there was a time at which the human solution was comprised of many of the movers and shakers of the community, the big names, the pot stars. The ones that everybody knew. They were wearing our ribbons. Some of them got tattooed. Some of them got, you know, put it on their buses. Whatever it was. We were we were we were nationwide. <clears throat> but what I noticed during those times was some in some ways the bigger that we got, the more fragmented we got. And we had some petty tyrants raise raise themselves to power. And I was very quick and easy and eager to give people the keys to the kingdom, you know. I'll give you my time and energy, and I'll come to train you and come to your house and give you countless, countless hours. And here's Craig Cecil. 
We're going to talk about Craig Cecil more after he gets off, but let's give him a chance to talk, see what he's got to say. Hopefully somebody remembers. You have a prepaid call. You will not be charged for this call. This call is from Craig Cecil, an inmate at a federal prison. This call is being recorded and is subject to monitoring. Hang up. Craig Cecil, how are you doing today? Hello, Joe. Well, here in uh, Terre Haute, the sun is still up a little bit, so it's telling me the days are getting longer. It's usually dark when I call. <laughs> well, you're, you're uh, a lot more north than we are, so when the summer days get long, they get longer for you than they do for us. Uh, what, during the peak of summer, what's, how late does it stay light? Until uh, about 9 o'clock. Okay, yeah, we're good. Right now it's... Right now it's about 8:30 here, so. Okay. Well, we're we're usually good till about 8, I think. So you you get an extra hour of light, but then in the winter time you probably are dark for an hour longer than we are. I would say, I would say, because <laughs> I think our winters are a bit colder here. Oh yeah, without without a question, without a question. So, uh, what is new? How's the tooth? I gotta always know about that tooth. Uh, well, the tooth is holding up for now, and uh, the uh, dental investigation, they haven't threatened me recently. <laughs> I suppose that, that's good as well. Oh, <laughs> they haven't geez. threatened me actually in a whole week now. <laughs> well, hey, you're doing all right. You're doing all right. You might have heard we had a little bit of excitement amongst us marijuana prisoners. <laughs> yeah, I've heard a few uh, things. Tell me a little more. What's going on? What, what happened? Well, uh, let's see, uh, Paul Free, Mike Pelletier, me, and I think two other people, I forgot who, uh, one of them was a woman, but all marijuana convicts, uh, we did some phone interviews over the last month or so with the, uh, Viceland show, and, uh, today apparently all five of us were featured, you know, they, they took little clips of our, uh, interviews and they used us in, uh, little presentations on the Viceland show today. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, hopefully if somebody uh, is listening that has that, um, please send it to me and I'll, I'll forward it around. I, I heard about that, that that was going to happen, but I didn't, I didn't know when. Well, I, I know what happened today. Now, what I don't know is because, remember, I've been in prison since 2002 in the the electronic world is you know, completely different than I remember. Oh, yeah. But, uh, I'm, I'm hoping that there's a way that uh, people can actually go and look at, like, past uh, oh, absolutely. You know, presentations. Yeah, everything is available now in, in, uh, in on-demand. You can actually go into any channel now, and you can look at every episode of every show. So it's, it's absolutely, it's all recorded now, everything. Well, that's good, because from what I understand, my presentation was on at uh, 1.45 a.m. Uh, Eastern Time, so I guess I wasn't their prime time person. <laughs> wow, wow. Well, I don't know what time the show airs anyways, but what I'll do is I'll find it, I'll record it, and I'll play it live on the show. In fact, maybe next week, if I'm able to, um, I'll play it before you call in, and then at least you'll be able to address, um, you know, what happened on on the event. Fantastic. But the good news is, is you know, me and other uh, marijuana 
Carolina offenders have been contacted by, you know, that media outlet and, uh, and several others have, you know, asked for short interviews and, you know, for stories that they're writing. So the good news is, is people have remembered us. People are starting to look at, you know, marijuana offenders in, in prison. And the, the first question they always seem to ask is, how does it feel to be in prison when you see marijuana being legalized all over the place? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know, it's funny, I, I I use you as an example all the time. I, I work with people that are that are uh setting up cannabis businesses, I work with patients that are using cannabis medicine. I'm I'm very active in a lot of different elements of the community and in talking to people, especially new people that don't know anything, you know, I was just talking about the news and being educated and being aware of how things work and is as recently as yesterday I, I had a, a lady who was purchasing some items and um, we were talking about some friends that were benefiting from medicine and this and that and the other thing and she was like you know what I, I want to I want to donate for this and I said you know what I tell you what I got a nonprofit donate to that and you know become a member and she's like oh really tell me about it and then I proceeded to tell her, I brought her a little brochure, and I said, you know, we've got people still locked up for this. You know, you think that everything's okay because somebody's given a license and the FDA's looking at this and, the, you know, they're, they're talking about this, that, and the other thing. I go, there's people locked up, and, and you know, and I, I recommend they come on and listen to the show, and I tell them to, uh, you know, call in about the time that you're likely to, and, and, and they do. And so, you know, in engaging these people, George Marcherano comes on at the end of the show, and he he often is his central theme of his message is we got to get out there and talk about this. We got to keep the conversation going because it's not over yet, and it's a long way from over, and it won't be over until there isn't anybody locked up for this plant anymore. And that's you know, so some of us, anyways, are very actively still beating a very loud drum. Oh, and, and, I mean, I've mentioned it before, and I'm sure Paul and George have uh, experienced it also, is in the Bureau of Prisons, we get guards coming up to us and saying, you know, hey, tell this guy, you know, why you're in prison and how long you're in prison for. I mean, they're shocked by it, and they're the guards in the federal prison. Right. Oh, no, it's, it's, it's very true. Every once in a while I run into somebody who um, is a correctional officer of some you know, whether it's federal, state, or whatnot, and, you know, I will always quickly try to broach that subject. And, you know, the truth is, as you've mentioned many times before, prisons are full of bad people. There's no shortage of criminals in prisons. But that doesn't mean that everybody that's in a, in a prison is a bad person or a criminal. And, you know, there's some difficult-to-find cases. Like there was a dude, my wife was just telling me about a guy who – uh, was convicted of, of killing or really hurting his wife really bad, and he didn't do it. And later on, you know, after he served 15 years, somehow they, the guy that did it came forward and, you know, felt bad about it and whatever, and this guy's now committed to, you know, trying to help people that are wrongly accused. But those are the difficult cases. The case where there's not a victim, I just I, I scratch my head to every single day. And I wonder how is it that we haven't woken up yet as a as a as a society and and you know come to this j 
giant epiphany that you have to hurt somebody to be a criminal, and yet. And, and like you say, it, it's the one size fits all prison sentences and all that are kind of odd. Because just what came to mind is just the, the table I sat at, at supper tonight. Uh, a 70 year old gentleman was sitting right next to me that's been in prison for about three years now in a huge Ponzi scheme. And uh, where he built about $200 million for people. And he has a, I think it's a 30 year sentence, which is a life sentence for him. The person sitting across from me ran a marijuana dispensary in uh, Michigan. And apparently he ran afoul of some federal laws, you know. And uh, so he's serving, I believe it's a 12 year sentence for, you know, running a uh, Michigan marijuana dispensary. Wow. The, the fourth person at our table. <laughs> Uh, killed two people on an Indian reservation. Oh, jeez. Wow. So, I mean, yeah. why are we all getting the same treatment by the Bureau of Prisons? I mean, you, you can't compare our cases, you know. Yeah, I was going to say. Possibly in the other marijuana case. But <laughs> yeah, what, what do all these cases have in common? And you got to scratch your head and say, I don't know, a, a, a screwed up justice system maybe, that's about it. I think uh, more and more uh, exposure of, of those of us, especially those of us in prison on marijuana convictions, hopefully it'll get more and more people that are on that side of the razor wire to look and say, you know, why are we housing, you know, nearly 2 million people? And, you know, what, what's it really doing for either those people or for their, you know, society in general or from the neighborhood that they love? Because the violent criminals, they get the shortest sentences. But the, you know, the marijuana offenders, you know, even the financial crimes people, you know, they get the, the longest sentences. It, it, right. You know, it doesn't seem to, it, it just doesn't seem sensible in this day and age. Well, you know, I, I, I can't help but think, I, there's a couple of things. Yesterday, or a couple of days ago, I was a guest speaker on, on somebody else's show. And I had an epiphany, and, you know, I think about, you know, who's the victim, right? Where's the victim in these crimes? And it came to me that, you know, when you have somebody that's violating a cannabis law um, or, or trying to, you know, operate um, a cannabis business of any sort, whether it's a personal business or a, or a big dispensary or whatever, it doesn't even matter, the, the victim is the screwed-up justice system. The victim is the, the uh, prison guards union. The victim is all the the cops and bailiffs and judges and everybody who's, uh, you know, being denied uh, prison fodder, the, the, the people that they feed off of. And I think that, you know, if we stop and you look at these nonviolent crimes and why there are so many people that have been attacked or that have been persecuted, they're easy targets. And, you know, we have we, – we live in this – rule of law, this, and I put giant quotes up, because at the same time that everybody's touting legal and the rule of law and lawful and legal and all these words, you have states that are actively undermining the federal law. They're saying, we're a sanctuary state. We don't want to follow this law. We don't want to follow that law. We think we don't like this one. We don't like that one. And these are people that are considered progressives. And they say, we clearly don't want to follow these laws, but those same fucking people 
are the people that are going to say, well, you weren't following the law, so you deserve to go to jail. I don't even understand it. There's not, you know, I've got to think that these are the people that are supposed to be enlightened and progressive and intellectual and whatever the hell, hell else you want to think, and yet it only applies when it fits their cause du jour. It only applies when it, when it, when it is the thing that they care about. And everything else can go to hell. Like we saw it uh, just recently in the news, that airplane that the engine exploded in flight. Right. And the pilot did a fantastic job of landing, you know, a crippled airplane. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, and uh, they, let's call it from a federal prison. They made an issue out of the pilot that, you know, she was originally a fighter pilot in the military. Right. Well, then people are mad, and why are you giving special attention to a woman pilot? I mean, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, it's just ridiculous. If somebody, somebody, you try to land a plane with one engine. That's all I can say. You just try it. <laughs> she should have been. Oh, especially that plane. The wing was damaged. The side of the plane was damaged. I mean, there was, there was a, you know, a tough, you know, assignment for a pilot. And, uh, she, she should have been celebrating. She, she nailed it. Exactly. She should have been celebrated the same way that that uh, guy that landed the plane on the Hudson River was. Sully, yeah. You know, it, it's it's ridiculous. I was just talking about the bias of the media, one side or the other side. It's like at one point, when I was much younger, it seemed that journalists were journalists, and they 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 reported the news as and, and they had a a work ethic. They had a a, a protection of their sources, and they they. They valued the truth, and now it's all about what sells. It's all about what gets the ratings. It's all about what pushes their agenda, and the truth doesn't really matter so much anymore. And looking at things that don't really matter, like, I mean, what does it matter that that was a a female pilot? From you know, the, the exciting part about the story was is this is an extremely successful pilot. Her gender didn't matter. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Why, yeah, don't 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 be um uh I don't know. Don't be starstruck by the facts here. Well, there's your first beep. I'm gonna make sure you get all the words this time. Last time you got cut off a little short. Well, that happens. But uh, I'm still excited. I'm still hoping that some of the uh, people that are now in the marijuana business, be they you know investment brokers, be they you know retail salespeople and all that. I hope some of those people do remember those of us behind the razor wire. I hope they they watch the coverage that we're starting to get TV, you know, in the print media and all that. And uh, I hope they do reach out to help us and the, to help all the people that are not getting the medicine that they need. Well, you I guess know, I'm asking those people to step up. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to clip, capture this little clip because I've been trying for the last month to get people to uh, that are cannabis operators, owners, and managers to come on this show and tell me what they're doing, what they're willing to do, or what they won't do. And I have yet to have one come on, not one. And so I'm going to be bringing myself as the owner of a business, and I'm going to tell the world what I do and what I'm about to do even more. <laughs> but that's stupid. This is my show. I, 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 I've been saying this for five weeks now, and I have yet to have a single response, not one. And that's it. He had already cut off. That was his second beep. Well, 
hopefully, um, hopefully he said everything he wanted to say. That's Craig Cecil, folks. If you've not seen the show or if you're not listening to the show before, Craig Cecil is serving a life sentence, a life sentence. That means he spends the rest of his life behind bars for pot. And he didn't have any pot. This is a conspiracy case. Even if he had all the pot, he doesn't belong in there. But he wasn't the guy that they were after. He wasn't the ringleader of this conspiracy. He wasn't the ringleader of this smuggling ring. He was the guy who fixed the trucks. That's who he was. But he didn't take the plea deal. And everybody else did. And they rolled on him. And he ended up taking all the heat of this case, and he's serving life in prison. All right, I was on a bit of a tirade before, but I got a bunch of callers that want to talk. And so, as I will hold true to my uh, word, that your words are much more important than mine in this show, um, I'm going to encourage anybody who is on the line or watching, I appreciate everybody that's watching right now, um, but if you got something you want to say and be part of this show, pick up your phone. And dial 646-929-2495. Non-compliant Mary will ask you a couple of questions, and you'll have an audience, guaranteed. All right, so let's see what we got going on here. We got a, a, a list here. We got um, Glenn Keeling going to speak. We got Pete Yapel going to speak. We got Creed to speak. Let's see what Creed has to say. Don't know that I know Creed. Oops, where'd you go? There we go, Creed. You are live on the air. Hopefully, I got your name right. Hi. Um, operator, could you go ahead? Okay. Oh, Hi. I remember you. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? I am doing fantastic. Did you uh, find a spike in your uh, petition growing at all? Well, that's what I'm calling you about today. Okay. I'll burn burn your ahead. Okay. Hi, my name is Creed Leffler. I created a petition to get marijuana off of the Schedule 1 controlled substance list on May 14th of 2016. We currently have 5,420 signatures and I'm trying to get 5,688 signatures by Friday. We need 260 more to reach our goal, but even more than that would be helpful. Could you please help us to do that? And also, this is my birthday week. Well, that is fantastic. I uh, appreciate uh, uh, that service, whatever that was that did that. That made it uh, really nice. Um so, Creed, I will um, I will go back and I will find the link to that. I did personally sign it when I was on the air last week um, or two weeks ago when you called last time. Um, but I will definitely mm-hmm. post it again and um, hopefully. It was, it was two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, two weeks ago. And I did sign it at the time. And I will, uh, I can't sign it again, but I will post it around again. And hopefully we will get uh, some more signatures. And I certainly welcome you to come back anytime and and check back up on this and um, you know share whatever it is that you want to. Can you post it on the 
live feed right now. I'm sorry, I, I didn't catch that entirely. Oh, live feed? Yes, yes, yes. Um, let's see, I need, I have to go find it. Can you give me the uh, the link to it again? And I will post it. If you type in CreedLifterMoveOn.org, I'll be in Yeah, right on. That's it, yeah. I'm looking at right out right now. Type my name, Creed Riffler, and then move yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm almost there. I'm getting it here. Here it is. All right, petition to move marijuana from the Schedule One controlled substance list. Okay, I am about to turn this thing around here, and we are. Now streaming this event, I mean, this thing right here, it has <coughs> the link to it, and it is on the live feed right now, <coughs> and I've put it down, it says you got 5430 signatures, and the most recent signers, we got Emily from East Haven, Connecticut, Ryan Bridgman from Lompoc, California, and I'm going back. So we got a you got a lot of signatures since uh since I signed, so that's good. All right, well I have posted it. It's on the live feed and people can uh uh can see it and they can go and do it again. So uh hopefully we will get people to continue to share that link. I will also um when I'm done with this live stream, uh Albert it's uh, you gotta look at the address on, on that I just went. You have to go back to the feed. The link is petitions.moveon.org forward slash sign forward slash petition to, no, dash to dash remove dash marijuana. But if you just type in moveon.org creed, it'll pop up. So that's that's the best I can do on that. All right, creed, well, I appreciate your time. I appreciate your words, and we will continue to do what we can. And happy birthday, my friend. Happy birthday. You Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, Creed. Well, we'll talk soon, and I will uh, continue to post that on. Bye. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Once again, Creed Leffler, and he's powering away. You know, folks, this is a great uh, example of what it takes to get something done. You know, it's not – I don't know how many people go through the trouble of putting up that petition, okay? Whether that petition is going to accomplish anything by itself or not doesn't matter. What does matter is that Creed is out there, and he is actively, proactively doing something that's clearly difficult for him to do, courageously engaging this and specifically asking for – this thing to happen. And God damn it, if we could just do this together, we'd be done. Why don't we all go knock on our representative's office and say, hey, what? Why is it that these things are crimes? Why do we need to regulate a plant? What? Yet, still today, nobody has given me the answer to that. 
Why does cannabis need to be regulated? Why? I got no answer from anybody. What about the children? Yeah, what about them? They might be helped by this plant. They certainly have not been killed by one, ever. Not yet. Not ever. 10,000, 20,000, 100,000 years. Not one child has died from cannabis. Why do we need to regulate it? No answers. Crickets. Why does it need to be taxed so heavily? Why? Because we can. Whatever. All the regulations do is help our enemies and hurt our cause. That's all they do. And we're going to talk more about those regulations if I get time. Okay, we need to decriminalize this. We need to end prohibition. End it. Pull all the plugs. Rewind it back. Take it back. Take it back. Controlled Substances Act. Gone. Not there anymore. Take it off. doesn't belong there. Look at the definitions for the substances in the Controlled Substances Act and scientifically apply them to cannabis. And you will, by its own nature, determine that it does not belong on a scheduled substance. It doesn't belong there. You have no scientific proof that it does. And I have a lot of scientific proof that it doesn't. Okay? That's all I can say. And not one person, not, a, not an elected official, not a law enforcement agent, not anybody, not a prohibitionist, not an anti-prohibitionist, nobody yet has come on this show and said, Joe, you got it all wrong, son. We need to regulate it, and here's why. Because of the pesticides. Well, really? Why don't we compare the pesticides that we allow on our food and our wine and our tobacco and shut the fuck up? Because you will notice that there's huge amounts of pesticides, and that's not the point. We're not dying from the pesticides in pot. We've been dealing with pot for uh, tens of thousands of years, pesticides and not, mold and not, everything and not. And guess what? There's still not one death, not one. Yes, of course, in the perfect world, we would live in a place where there was no chemicals and no pesticides and no carcinogens of any kind. Great. Wake up in L.A. and take a deep breath and see what's happening to you. Okay? I don't know. My tirade once again. Creed Leftler. L-E-F-L-E-R. Leftler. Hopefully that's correct. All right, Uh, let's see where we are. Oh, yeah, here we go. Um, Back to this, uh, um, back to this thing. I don't know, it doesn't say, let's see. Oh, here it is. I'm going to read this background here. Background, I'm a 24-year-old male with cerebral palsy. I believe in certain properties of the cannabis plant help with spasticity, but I would like to do more research having to do with the brain, specifically the people with CP. Unless we remove marijuana from the Schedule One controlled substances, we cannot do this research effectively. And that was um, Creed Leffler, L-E-F-F-L-E-R. So for everybody who was asking, those are the answers. And again, remember, if you are sitting here <coughs> listening to this show and something comes up and you say, geez, I'd like to say something, hang up, call back and say, Mary, I've got something I'd like to say, and Mary will 
undoubtedly not only put you in queue, but she'll type a few notes in on my board and let me know who the heck you are and what you want to say. Thank you, Albert. You rock. You got the you got the link up there. Good job. All right. We got a defendant up here, Darren Elliott. And that is one of the key reasons that this show exists. Um, Craig Cecil is one of the key elements of why this show exists. If there was no interest in this show, if I had ten people that would listen to this show, I would still run it. And I would still run it for the simple reason that Craig Cecil calls every week. And to provide an avenue of freedom to a man who's been denied his freedom unjustly is a worthy cause. If I give up two hours of my week where I'm free to wake up and go to sleep when I please, where I'm free to eat what I please, where I'm free to go and do what I please, for the most part, the least I can do is give up two hours a week for a man who has none of that. I don't know. It just seems reasonable. The second reason that I do this is because when I was fighting my case, as much as most of the groups out there, in my opinion, frankly, weren't worth their weight in salt, there were a few that were. And the biggest thing that they did, a couple of them were very, very helpful and actually helped me raise some money and and, and rallied uh, troops, and I will always remember that. But the most important thing I think that most of the groups allowed was they gave me a voice. They gave me a, a, um, a bully pulpit, a place that I could stand up and speak to their membership and tell them about my story and tell them about our organization and tell them about why it was important for those people to be present, to listen, to hear about my story, to realize that my story was not about me but was about everybody else. And ultimately, I believe it was instrumental in bringing the amount of people together that needed to be there. So the second reason that I do this show every week and that I'll continue doing this show as long as I'm able is because any defendant who's willing to stand up and fight needs that voice. And whether I'm physically able to be there for them at their court hearing or whether I'm just able to give them a voice to reach out and hopefully rally some support or tell people about what's going on or what's happening or what can they do, that's what makes this show important. So let's go straight up to Darren Elliott and see what's going on. Darren, how are you doing, man? I I I I, I called uh, about a month back. Uh, all four of us ended up getting indicted on all all six felony charges, and all four of us are Ohio medical patients. To my doctor, my doctor's supposed to be at arraignment. My doctor is supposed to speak to the judge, but they indicted us on aggravated traffickings. We were four Ohio patients, all four of us with all our right paperwork, paperwork, our recommendations, our cards, and the arresting officer was a 60-year-old Ohio State Patrol officer that looked at us and said that medical marijuana was Ill- is illegal in the state of Ohio, which is so untrue because it's the bill passed, Ohio Bill 523 passed September 8th of 2016. And there's even been you know, exclusive I, I, I on... Remember, 
I remember you telling me about your case, and yeah. I, I'm very disappointed to hear that they indicted you anyways. Um, yeah. What What is the uh, the status? What is your next What is your next court hearing? I go to court uh, for arraignment uh, May eighth at uh, nine o'clock in Lucas County in uh, courtroom five, in the Common Pleas Court. And uh, you, you're you're in contact with Glenn Keeling, and he's going to be helping to uh, coordinate support for that, right? Yeah, I've 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 been talking to him on and off, but um, my dad just got in a real bad car accident right after all this happened, and uh, he got uh, ALS and he's sick, so I've been help, help, helping him out too. So my hands have been full, uh, and that that those the major news outlet down here in Cincinnati wants him to do an exclusive on me, but my doctor's telling me not to. Yeah, but my doctor's telling me not to yet, and the news reporter has been. Calling me every day for the last two months, which I'm going to give them their exclusive, but my doctor's telling me not to, and I'm going to have a state issued card in June from my same doctor. Ohio re- released their first 35 doctors in Ohio that's allowed to recommend marijuana, and my doctor is the 13th on the list. Well, I, so, I would so. follow your doctor's advice more than I would follow a lawyer's advice, and right. I would, and, I would and he, tell that. Reporter, that you know you're very eager and interested to do it, but you have to act in a way that's best for you right now. And that's my, you my have, best interest, right? Yeah, you just have to time it, time it right. Um, the the thing that you got to be careful of is if you give that interview and they're going to tell you they're not going to air it until then, whatever they'll do whatever they want. So you just got to. I know. You got. Be careful of what you say when you say it, but let them know that you will tell all. You'll give them the whole story, but you just gotta wait until the timing's right with and the I'm, legal and I'm, and, and, and I'm ready and willing. I, I talked to my doctor when I found out that I got indicted, and I, I got his personal stuff and over. He ended, he ended up texting me right back, and I talked to him and texting me and telling me that he's gonna try to get everything wrapped up on the eighth, like like he's gonna he's gonna be a court as arraignment. And and because we got indicted under the the impression that the, all the grand jury heard that we were four people driving in a car with cannabis in the trunk, nothing about us being patients. They took our affirmative defense actions. They took our cards. They took our recommendations. They took all of our paperwork and put it on our property. It didn't go in evidence. So we've all we all sit in jail for 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 a week uh, four days without being charged. Then two weeks before we ended up even going to really going to court because they didn't know what they was doing, and then I mean it was, and then we ended up getting indicted on six charges and we were under our legal limit for four patients. I mean we're we're coming well, from Cincinnati. Here here's here's the way I see it, and I've watched a lot of cases play out in a lot of states and a lot of places, and unfortunately. Uh, you you spelled it out pretty clearly. The arresting officer told you that marijuana is not legal, medical marijuana is not legal in Ohio. And the problem with that is that because he arrested you for that moment, for you, it was true. Even though you will ultimately prevail, they do what they call punishment by the process. And this this cop didn't like didn't like you. And he was going to chew you up and spit you out and let the court sort it out. 
Now, what will likely happen, then, then, to top it off, the grand jury indictment is the dirtiest trick that, that any prosecutor does because they don't want their name on the charges. So if a prosecutor files charges, what that prosecutor is saying is that I know we have enough evidence to convict these people. But what they do when they don't feel they have that is they give it to a grand jury. And as you just described, a grand jury doesn't have to be given all the facts of the case. <clears throat> they they right. are given uh, as much of, of the case as the prosecutor wants, and the defense doesn't get to address the grand jury typically. And the burden of proof is pretty low. And most, I don't know, it's, I don't know what the actual percentage is, but the percentage of indictments that come out of a grand jury is typically really high. And so it's it's kind of the the uh the easy way out for a prosecutor that doesn't want to have to withdraw charges because they didn't file them. Now we're and facing so, 30 we're facing we're facing 33 years in prison now. The doctor said he's going to be there in court for us. Yeah, I was more uh, the, under the uh, uh, assumption that I mean, with these affirmative defense actions, the doctor is legit. He's done it, did exclusives on Toledo ABC News about the giving out the cards and how it, how it was. The Ohio laws were kind of uh, on a gray area right now, but uh, nobody was getting in trouble. It even ran a story how they was what the cards looked like and everything. My, what my card looks like. I mean, he he he, 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 he like he said, doctors are using the tools they have right now. The bill passed. He's 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 given a, a just be, and he's got an exclusive. I've done it, seen the exclusive on my doctor, and my doc, like I said, my doctor. They released the first thirty-five names names of the doctors in Ohio, and my doctor's thirteenth on the list, Doctor Ryan O. Lakin, and and he's and he's he's already allowed to recommend marijuana, and he told me when I come back in June, I'll get I'll get my state issued card in June from him. And I'll, I won't have to pay the whole 250. I could, I'll just pay the initial 100, like I have been, because I've been a patient with him for the past year. But my next card, when I go back, and and in June will be a what will be a state issued year card instead of a 90 day card, like I've been getting from him, because you're only allowed to get a 90 day supply at a time. That's just is ridiculous. Well, I, I I definitely appreciate you calling. To let us know what's going on, and if anybody's up in Ohio area, um, you know, please yeah, look at Glenn. Yeah, please. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to be bringing Glenn on next to the show, and we'll get a, we'll get an update from him. But bottom line is, um, you have a strong position that there's a really good chance that they'll end up uh, dropping this once they see that the doctor's going to stand by you. But nonetheless, it doesn't make it okay. It doesn't make it that you're not. Getting, uh, yeah, I'm uh, not gonna let him bully me. I'm not gonna let him bully me. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not taking no charge when my doctor recommended me go up there. So, so I'm not. I'm not sitting here and taking no cops and no plea. Even how good it sounds, I didn't break the law. I didn't. There I didn't do go. nothing That's wrong. What you just said is the key to ending prohibition. And I'm telling you, uh, uh, Darren, if if just 10% of all the people that are facing charges would do what you just said, we would end prohibition because we would overwhelm the courtrooms and demand our jury trials, and the courts would finally say, wow, 
You got us. But everybody gives up. Everybody rolls over. Everybody takes no, I'm going to go to jury trial. I'll, we all, we all, all even said it. We, we did nothing. We did was against the law. We did exactly what we by the by the law. So we're, we'll all go to trial. All four of us. Well, I, I tell our, you this: if, if you end up taking this to a trial, and a jury ends up getting selected. I will show up myself personally from California to advocate on your behalf. I, I uh, you know, only do this when, you know, I can, but this is something that, you know, is one of these ridiculous, egregious cases that if I see that this goes to trial, knowing that you're willing to stand and fight the way you are, I'll find uh, my way yeah. out there and yeah, and I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm, I would definitely. I'm not taking. I'm not taking no plea, especially when the my doctors. I got PTSD, and 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 I I've been record, referred to go up there and instead of going and buying weed on the corner, I, I I drive an eight hour round trip to get medically tested, clean mar, medical marijuana like we're supposed to have in Ohio. The vape cartridges, the edibles, and the and the and the concentrates. That's it, and that's all I had. And and I am under the legal limit. I'm not taking no plea when I'm doing what my doctors are telling me to do. I'd well, be a fool. I, I, I respect and and honor your uh, your conviction, and um, I I stand by you. So just keep keep us in the loop. Let us know what's going on. Let us know what we can do, and get in touch with Glenn. I know he's there to help you, and uh, yeah. you, he has. All resources of our organization behind him. Okay, and thanks a lot. I appreciate it, buddy. You bet. Okay, once again, Darren Elliott. Um, he called a couple about a month ago. Uh, another ridiculous case in Ohio. Another legal state. You know, I don't know if you guys are catching this. You know, pay attention, son. This keeps happening. Case after case after case. You know, I don't know if you guys all caught the word. But everything got real quiet out of Colorado a couple weeks ago because the folks that were standing tall, they ended up taking a deal. Kind of broke my heart a little bit. Uh, One of the the defendant's mom has cancer. And a mutual friend came to me and said, hey, I've got a friend who has cancer. Can you help? And I said, sure, I can help. What, what, What do you need? And he said, yeah, she has a son who is fighting a case in Colorado for making oil. And I says, really? And I, and I mentioned the name. He says, yeah, that's, that's, that's him. That's, that's his mom. And I says, wow, that's too bad. I said, I've been trying for more than a year to help these people, and they just wouldn't engage us for whatever reason. They were busy uh, trying to rally their own thing, their own way, which, of course, I applaud and commend. Do what you can, but if you got an organization willing to reach out and help you, why the fuck wouldn't you take it? I don't understand. Doesn't make sense. And at the end of the day, they both took a deal. Now they're felons. That's all I can say. Anyways, um, all right, let's talk to Glenn Keeling. Glenn just got back from a trip to New York where he was able to join up with Pete Yapel and uh, be part of a of a, a growing and uh, exciting new element of the Human Solution International. You know, we were, I was talking before about previously 
focusing on growth because my case demanded it. But with growth comes weeds, <laughs> if not a lack of better terms. Weeds and, and pestilence and predators. And as you have a larger crop, you have more weeds and more pestilences and more predators and more problems. And the bigger we grew, the more problems we had. And we had all of these people who came to the organization and they were going to help us in Prohibition. And it turned out they had their own agenda going on and they loved the attention they got. And they loved to be able to tell people what to do and they loved to be able to wear our banner as a mantle and somehow be elevated. But the truth was actions. Actions are the only thing that speak. Actions are the only thing you're going to be remembered for. The words you said only matter if you have actions that back them up. Okay? So look at our actions. Look at our body of work. Go back and look at some of the pictures that are in the Human Solution pages and website. That's us. That's us in action. We're there, we've been there, and we'll continue to be there for you and for anybody who wants to help us end prohibition. If you're willing to stand up for what's right, we'll stand up with you. If you want to help us educate people about what's right and about the truth about this medicine and this plant, we'll help you. That's the action. That's the truth. So rather than focus on getting as big as we can and getting the numbers and even the members. You know what we're doing now is we're focusing on the elite, the A-team, those that are really willing to move and take action. And that's where I'm focusing all my attention on. You know, I encourage everybody to participate and become a membership. But to be a leader is to teach leaders. And it's one thing to rally a crowd of people together and get them to listen to your words. But what do they do when they leave? What's the point of all of it if they could just go back to what they were doing before? But if you can get a few good people together, a few good people that get it, a few good people that are willing to do it and share it and teach it and grow it, now that, that's where we're talking progress. We're talking leadership. And that's where I'm at today. I've been doing a lot of reflecting and soul-searching and, and looking at the past. You know, the past is, is, a, is a school ground. It's a teacher for you. And if you don't learn from it, you're going to repeat it. You're going you're gonna to flunk and do it again. And I, frankly, don't want to do it again. I want to learn from it. I want to grow from it. So I have looked back at where we've come from. I look at where we're heading, and I like where we're heading much better than where we come from. And we have a great team of, of, of leaders and of, of committed people that have uh, recently come aboard in the last year. And uh, one of these people is Glenn Keeling. Glenn and Peggy um, just beat a case. Um, they still have a few loose ends hanging potentially. But um, for all intents and purposes, they, they're giving their lives back. And they got given their lives back not by taking a plea deal. They got given their lives back by standing tall and by holding that righteously defined attitude that says, I didn't do anything wrong, and by saying, I'm willing to stand here, but I stand by myself, I will stand here, and I will stand here and fight this thing. And Peggy is racked with physical ailments, 
and Glenn is dealing with his own issues, and they both together stood tall, and I said, look, if you stand tall, we'll stand with you, and we did, and we still do, and we've been growing, Glenn's been growing his group, and I still need to get you your packages, and I'm sorry, I've got them sitting here on my desk, and I will get them to you, but the truth is, the work you're doing, the actions you're taking, you're building a body of work. Your actions are what speak. The fact that you went up to New York and you were part of Pete and Helen's project up there, you fellowshiped, you shared, you taught, you learned, you educated, you were part of this process. That's the truth. That's the action. And that is what makes the human solution the human solution. All right. I'm sorry I get into these little introductions. Glenn Keeling, folks, without any further ado, welcome to the show. Glenn, how you doing? Hey, Joe. I'm doing really good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, i tell you what. It, it was a great time there in New York. I, I, I had a great time, Peggy, and I both did. Um, the travel was a little rough on her, but, I mean, other than that, it was it was a good time. Excellent. You know, Excellent. watching Getting to watch Peter. I uh, see the video of the event. I I still haven't had a chance to watch it all. I I saw a little bit of it, but um, I haven't had a chance to watch it all. So I'm looking forward to doing that still. Right, right. I tell you what, you know, watching somebody, you know, streaming live, you know, sitting in your home is is, is one thing. But when you're actually there and you feel, you you know, the energy coming from the person that's you know doing the. I'm I'll tell you what, Peter is is. Uh, really full of a lot of energy. He's really compassionate person about what he does and what he says. Um, I, I tell you, it, it was a real good honor to be there with them there in New York, and it was a, a good educational uh, journey for us. Well, I, I think that uh, that the direction that the organization is moving, being that we don't have, you know, there was a day when we had. 20 active cases in 12 different states going on, and people were, that many people were standing up and fighting. And now we, we have a handful here and a handful there, and it's not because we don't have people that need help. We just have people unwilling to stand and fight. And um, so we've decided, rather than to spend our energy trying to coax people into fighting, we make ourselves available. You know, the name of your chapter is the Creative Care Beacon. And as I've always said, when we set up a chapter, we become a lighthouse. We become a beacon. And for those people that have the courage and and the strength and the, the willingness and the righteousness to fight their case, we're there for you. We're there all day long. But we're not going to sit around waiting because that's not action. What we do now is we've directed our attention more at the education side of things. We've decided um, we're going to reach out and we're going to um, start educating about this medicine, about the truth about this. And in that message is the truth about prohibition. And this message is the truth about the war on drugs. It's the, it's the truth about um, the relative safety of this plant versus the relative harm of incarceration. And I think that um, although that's not the only message, it will be included in the message no matter what we do, and it will help us to carry uh, our mission home, which is to create a world where no one gets locked up for a plant anymore. Right on, right. You know, education, you know, and, you know every week, every show we say the same thing, and it just, it, it just fails to 
me that, you know, people are not getting this. It, you, education, you know, is the key to life, period. You you cannot get nowhere in life unless you have some kind of an education. This plant, for people that, you know, use this on a day-to-day basis, you know, to heal themselves, to get through the day a better quality of life, you, you know, we all need to stand together, you know, because, man, a lot of people that are cannabis users sit in their homes and they use cannabis day in and day out, and they use it on, on a scheduled basis. But as soon as they leave the house, man, it's just like they put a clock on. They don't want nobody to know. You know, we've got to get past that. we got to get past the negativity of, oh, don't look at me because, I, you know, I've smoked cannabis. Don't, you know. We got to get past that. You, you know, I, I am a very proud and loud cannabis user. I, I don't care who it is, where it is. I will talk to anybody anytime about cannabis, um, and, and, it, and, it, and it doesn't matter to me. I, I'm not. I'm not one of the. I want people to know, so I'm going to stand up and, and shout very loudly that I'm a cannabis user. And it's time that we all do the same thing. We all need to stand together. Every one of these organizations need to come together because we're all fighting the same thing. And it just seems like all these groups are going off everywhere, different directions, and they're just losing focus. You know, prohibition um, created the black market. If, if prohibition wouldn't have, you know, come along, there wouldn't be a black market. Everybody would be doing it out in the open um, freely, and we need to get back to that. Um, the days of, of being ashamed and being scared of what your neighbors think you're using cannabis is over. We've got to come together and stand up. Well, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. And, and like I was uh, bringing to the attention, I, I, I used to uh, reach out broadly to everybody and, and anybody and say, you know, come, come around and help in any way you can and this and that. But you know what? Today I'm looking for a few good men, a few good women. I'm looking for I'm looking for the ones that are willing to stand with me and actually march with me and 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 and, and lock arms with me and, and and share their thoughts and ideas and speak with that one voice. That's what I'm looking for. And I think that um as we're as we're sharing our thoughts as you're just doing right now, I think that one more person, you know, there's probably a hundred thousand people that think the way we do that are that are active and willing to do what we're willing to do if we could all just get together and and make some decisions and say you know what let's go this way all together at once i think it could be powerful and i think that we're heading down some roads that are going to bring that to light um so i'm very um i'm, I'm very excited to watch the progress glenn um you know you've got this uh darren elliott with the case coming up um, it sounds like, you know, he's got a cut-and-dry case um, that, you know, all it takes is a judge, hopefully like your judge, that, that sees through the bullshit. Um, it, it, with any, the slightest hint of justice in the world, that case will get dropped pretty quick, but yet they're still going through it. They're going to go through it until it's done. They already spent time locked up. Now they're, they've been indicted. Now they have to be arraigned. They have to go through the arduousness of this, and I know I spent over 200 court appearances in my six years, 200 times 
I had to drag my ass 70 miles from where I lived to court and be there on time or I was going to get locked up. And in the end, they gave up and walked away, and I ended up being a free man. How free is that to have gone through right. that? That's what they're right. doing. That's, that's, that's what great. They're doing. Yeah, we're here for Darren. Um, uh we're going to make a point to try to show up to his, his uh, arraignment hearing, um, you know, try to support as much as we can. We're not very far from where he has to go to court, so it, it wouldn't be a problem for us. Um, yeah, absolutely, we're going to stand with Darren um, and anybody else. I mean, it's not just Darren. Uh, anybody goes through this. We're going to try to make it a point to, to show up and, and to be there. You know, we'll have ribbons in hand and, and be passing them out for people that's going to be there. Um, you know, the 8th, May 8th isn't that far away. Uh, and I know there's quite a few people here in Ohio that are listening to the show. So come on, get off your ass, put the pipe down for a few minutes and come out to the court and, and show some, you know, and that's what it just comes down to. It, it's showing support for people, you know. Um, well, and look at it this way. If it ends up being you, and it's really a matter of time before it will, imagine if you were there for somebody else, how much more likely it is that somebody's going to be there for you. Pay it forward a little bit. You'd be surprised. Right if it is you, there is nothing like being in a courtroom in that, in that defendancy and looking back and seeing a crowd of people with those green ribbons on, and they're there for you. I've been that defendant many, many, many times. And I can tell you what, I can I can go back to that place in my heart at any given moment and, and get grounded from that. And I've been the other I've been the supporter for the defendant many more times than I was the defendant. So um, it's a magic that happens. It's a it's a it's a it's a, a camaraderie that you can only get by by locking arms in wartime. And this is wartime. You know, they declared this war. There is a war on us. It's not a war on drugs. The drugs don't care, and the drugs aren't being attacked. It's us that's being attacked. And we're right. on one side of that, of that wall, and whether we fight back or not, we are being attacked. And so when we do stand together, it is a wartime bond that comes together, and there's nothing as powerful as standing together when your life and your freedom and your liberty are being attacked. So, um, Glenn... I'm, I'm assuming and hoping that we're going to get a number of people that are listening to this going, you know what, I'm in Ohio too, maybe I'll want to help. How do they get a hold of you and become part of this chapter and, 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 and this court support team? You can go to go Facebook. It's the uh, Creative Care Beacon Human Solution International Ohio chapter. You can find me, Glenn Keeling, online, or you can just simply give me a call. My number is 419 419- Eight six three zero four nine eight. All you have to do is use one of those resources. I can't help you unless you contact us. Truer words were never spoken. We are an amplifier, not a power supply. We cannot do this for you, but we will help you. And we will, every single chapter coordinator that stands up to help people in his area has got the implicit and direct support of the whole national team. And these are people in this national team that have been through hell, that have been through cases, that have been locked up, that have been imprisoned, that have come on the other side. We've learned. We've learned what it takes, and we are there to help. And that's what we offer. That's what this is all about. If we need to raise money, we have the tools. 
it takes a lot of thinking and some effort, but we, we have a 501c3 nonprofit. We can do just about anything. What we're not is a free lawyer service. I don't know why, but everybody somehow thinks that we've got this free legal department, and we're putting together a legal uh, clinic that's a self-help tool kit, um, and hopefully uh, one day we'll get some attorneys that are willing to donate some pro bono time. Um, as of right now, we don't have one of those. So, um, you know, we do have a lot of real-life experience in courtrooms, uh, real-life cases. We're not legal professionals, but we can share our real-life experiences with you, and in many cases, that could be much more valuable than legal advice. So, Glenn, I just can't tell you how much I appreciate you and how much I uh, appreciate Peggy being there and standing tall um, through through all of your difficulties. Um, you, you, you are a true beacon. Right on. Thank you very much, Joe. And, you know, I am going to say this. This is the last thing I'm going to say before I go. Cannabis cases, they're not easy. They are time-consuming, and they are a battle. The thing is, is, is don't give up. If you're in the right, you're in the right, and continue to fight for what is right. Don't take pleas, and don't because they're never a plea deal is never in your favor. Just remember that a plea deal is never in your favor. I couldn't agree more, and I uh, appreciate you being here. Once again, Glenn Keeling from the Creative Care Beacon Chapter of Ohio. All right, up next we got Pete Yapel. Pete is a rising star in this organization, and um, he's been doing so much good outreach work. He's got his own network. He's got his own show, the Canna We Talk 420. Um, I've been uh, blessed to be a guest on his show numerous times. And um, I obviously welcome him and his lovely wife to be a guest on this show. Um, he's the chapter coordinator for <clears throat> the Solidarity Over Separation chapter in New York. And as, as powerful as the statement Creative Care Beacon is, Solidarity Over Separation represents another element of what this whole unity e effort is all about. Um, I keep hearing people talk about this. We've got all these people out there, but everybody's busy doing their own damn thing. And if we could just stand together for 10 minutes, we could push this thing over. It's a paper tiger. They're, they don't have anything but their silly law to get us. We have the manpower. We have the numbers. We have, the, we have everything. If we were just to get up off of our asses for three seconds and push with two fingers. I don't know if you ever remember as a kid, we used to play this game, light as a feather, stiff as a board. And you get five or six people to stand around a person, and they lay on their back, and you put two fingers underneath them, and you get yourself into this thing, and you say this thing. Next thing you know, you're all lifting each other up, this person up. And you're not doing magic. You're not doing anything crazy. What you're doing is you're sharing the load. You're sharing a load in such a way that you don't feel it. And that's what could happen to us if we all stood together and pushed with two fingers against this wall at one time, and we chanted, end it now, it would fall over and end. And we wouldn't need regulations, and we wouldn't need taxation. We could let this plant be a plant. That's all it wants. It wants to be a plant. It doesn't want to be a pharmaceutical pill. It doesn't want to be a regulated thing. It just wants to be a plant. It told me. All right, we got Pete Yapel up next. Always a treat to have him aboard. A leader, a, a, a life coach. He's um, he's he's self 
fulfilled in his own right, and he's teaching up in Sugarloaf, New York. He's got this great uh, location, um, and he's put on these uh, workshops that are gaining a tremendous following, and um, he's bringing to life these things that we keep talking about, education, education, education. How powerful and important is education? And it's one thing to sit here and yap about it on a podcast. It's another thing to get out there and put an event together and show up and educate. And that's what Pete and Helen are doing. And let's hear about it. Pete, what's going on today? How are you doing today? Oh, Joe, let's just say I had to pull three dab hits. And if I was a drinker, I'd probably be doing a couple of shots of Grand Marnier or something right now after listening, man. I've been chomping at the <laughs> But listen, everybody out there, you know, Helen and I, my wife, God bless her, without her, I'm nothing. Uh, She holds me up and and keeps me. Well, you just clicked out. I'm hoping. Even a half of that shit, excuse my language, about this plant. Um, And and being, and and the freedoms that we are, uh, that are taken away from us, uh, because of uh, the fact that we can't treat ourselves properly. It's just really, no, no, care for treating ourselves. Just if you want to smoke pot, I don't care. Listen, we all have one common goal in this fight. I don't care how many groups there are. I don't care how many organizations there are. I don't care what, you know, you, know, you, you just put the numbers out there, whatever it is. We all want to end prohibition. We all want the plant. We don't want to be convicted for growing, using, manufacturing, transporting, transporting. You name it. The plant is nothing but the plant. No different than onions. No different than any other plant that grows in the ground. That's first and foremost. Second of all, Joe, you were, you were making a point before, and and and, and I agree a hundred percent with you. I'm not looking. I'm not looking for mass numbers anymore. Christmas sakes, we've got groups. All over the place, you know. Yes, every sports uh, venue has cheerleaders in it, but without the players on the field, what are the cheerleaders cheering for? And and that's the kind of way I look at groups a lot of times. And I, listen, I'm not taking away from anything from groups. I have groups, you know. I have two. I have one group, and then my radio show, and whatever else. But and we educate on my group. But it, it, that listen, we can share stuff all day long on Facebook. Does nothing. Does nothing. Nothing, guys. It does nothing for us politically. This does nothing for us winning the fight. Because all we do is share memes and laugh and joke and put up stoner stuff. And, yeah, there's some articles up there that might tell you about what, how to treat your illness a little bit. And, you know, or, you know, you'll get Jeff Sessions bashing going on all over the place, like, you know, which he deserves to be bashed. Don't get me wrong. But, I mean, these are what groups do. Now, organizations and people that are involved, Three percent of the hundred percent of us, us three percent that just decide to throw all this on our back, we get tired, guys. We run out of uh, of energy, ideas, uh, just man help, uh, no matter what it is. And yeah, hell, me and Helen are putting. You know, we interviewed the, the gubernatorial uh, candidate. That was fantastic. Couldn't ask for a better, you know, uh, thing. It was a good turnout for a Friday at noon. Very difficult time to do it. But hell, our, our classes have now doubled in size again. We had zero seats available. We had people sitting up the stairways and in the balcony area of the uh, Holistic Healing Studio in Sugarloaf. 
And that's Denise or- Orzek's uh, place, everybody. She's a wonderful woman and a great place she has there. Uh, but we have people now, and, and the thing that I love about it, the one thing that I love about the course that's been happening is the average age of the people that are sitting there are 50 years old and older. And they want to know. They want to hear, you know, uh, you know about themselves and how their endocannabinoid system works. Why does cannabis work with me? How does cannabis work? What, cannabis, what strains of cannabis should I be using? What types of ways should I be medicating? And once again, I tell a lot of people, that it depends on you. We all metabolize cannabis in a different way. Our bodies metabolize cannabis differently. So what might work for you as an edible might have to be an oil for me. What might be a, uh, you know, a, a, a smoking out of a pipe might be a vaporizer hit for me or edibles or oil. You know, it, it's just how we metabolize cannabis. So there has to be the freedom to have choice in all of the available methods to ingest. Mind you, again, cannabis is not the only thing we need for health people. We need to eat correctly. Food is a medicine. Food is just as important as cannabis, as well as some spirituality and some drive. And, and once you start treating it and feeling better, you'll get up and you'll do these things. You know, Peggy, Peggy made that trip from Ohio, and God bless her, you know, with MS and, you know, it, it, and mind you, six months, eight months ago, it might not have been such a terrible trip for her. But with charges and not being able to treat and a decline in her health, having to walk back with a cane and say, if this isn't evidence on how well the plant works for people, and then they're, then they're put up on charges and their health declines back to where they're sick again, I mean like real sick again, who then should be put on trial? Who then should be sitting in the defendant's chair? Who then is causing harm to a real victim? A victim that is only a victim because of prejudice, ignorance, and a government that is greedy and likes control. Period. I mean, I've got everybody here in New York jumping up and down for Chuck Schumer. Oh, look at Chuck Schumer. Uh, Watch the video, people. He's smiling with a cracked-ass smile on his face the whole time when he's asked about cannabis and how the... He says, hey, listen, we've known for a long... Well, if you've known for a long time, then you're accepting the responsibility of death after death after death and illness after illness after illness and jail time after jail time. I mean, you're responsible for it. If you're going to sit there with a smirk on your face and say, yeah, we know it, but... Well, you knew it, but what? And, Joe, you know me, man. I'm sorry I get so excitable, but this, this, this burns my ass. And, you know, I had people today, I was talking to people, uh, you know, I popped on the Facebook for 15 minutes or so here and there, and uh, you know, I'm like, because that's all real time I can give it anymore. But I've I seen people talking in a group about groups and whatever. I, I said, do something. Well, I'm, you know, I, I am doing something. I'm learning. Well, that's good. Now, what you've learned, share with someone. Share your knowledge. Share the things you've learned. Share a group. Share an organization. Take people to where they need to go. Like I said, 3% of us load this on our back. And if people don't believe that's true, please take a look. There are hundreds of thousands of groups with tens of thousands of members. And I see the same people in this industry every time I do something, doing something. Whether they're doing it the way I agree or not, I don't care. They're doing something. People, the same people are doing it. You can all help. We have Nikki and James Tenney. Nikki's a patient. 
James is a, James, James is a patient too, but, it, but James is more of a recreational smoker or whatever else. But Nikki's a patient. And, and, and I'll tell you, the, the time that they devote to solidarity and to our organization, to at all of these events, I mean, James is a roadie shit. If, if I was still playing music, the man would be working for me. I'd have never quit playing music if I had somebody who could pack up and set up like this guy does. I mean, it's just little things like that that you can be doing. It doesn't have to be in an event. Get involved in a letter-writing program. You know, write your congressman, write your senators, write your dang, you know, you know, write to, a, to an inmate. Give an inmate some freaking, some, you know, some solace. Let them know there are people out there that care. If you don't think that's doing something in this movement, you're absolutely wrong. Because the problem with the movement is it's the same people trying to do the same things. That's why we're trying to switch it up. That's why we're trying to expand and do things a little bit differently. Because the same old, same old has gotten us to right where we are. A two-year election coming up that's important, that spouts out about, let's make some drug policy changes, let's add some states, let's do this, that, and other thing. And at the end of the day, nothing happens because we have to wait another two years because something happens. Let's force these people in our government to stand for what we stand for. I will never be the type of person to endorse a candidate, especially I can't because I just believe it's not true, it's not fair, especially representing an organization. I represent many organizations. I don't believe it's my, my up to me to put a stamp on a, on a candidate. But as personally, I will say that Larry Sharp here in New York, guys, if you're voting for governor, has some really good points. And I will only say to you, listen to his feeds. He puts them out there all the time. Larry Sharp with an E at the end for governor in New York. Please listen to his stuff. He's got great points on education. He's got excellent points on cannabis. He wants to treat cannabis as though it was an onion. He's, when I asked him about home grows and this, that, the other thing, he says, let's get back to it. Like an onion. You can plant cannabis in your backyard just like you could plant an onion plant in your backyard. That, to me, is freedom of the plant to me. Mind you, we still have to deal with the Fed, and he understands that, and he's not stupid, but he's the type of guy that's running a transparent campaign. He mentions that and uses that word. He also stated that when he gets in, he will write the law. If they veto, he will call candidates out individually, individually call them out for voting against or for vetoing. And I believe that people in their areas need to know that. We need to know, hey, you voted for him. You must have voted for him because he had some stance on cannabis. Why would you vote for uh, a, 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 a person if they were still in this Nazi mind frame of genocide to kill people with big pharma and, and government control? But then you have to listen, people, and understand the terms, like Joe was saying. Legalization means that there are still laws, rules, and regulations. There are still licensing fees and everything that goes along with it. There is still taxing at a 60% rate as if something was tobacco or or Legalization is not the answer. Quit preaching and jumping on the legalization banner. We need to decriminalize, reschedule. These are the things we need to fight. Because if something isn't criminal, you can't get in trouble for it. And if we reschedule, yes, then we can do the research here. Let's keep our money in America. God bless Israel for all they're doing, but I'd rather be spending five point five billion here than there. And, and, and you know, well, Pete, I appreciate I know um, I all of the and whatever else, but there's just so 
it's, it's great. I've just got about 15 minutes left, and I Here, Joe, and we're transplanting here. 
Uh, how, did, how did they sprout? Did the sprout? Did the seeds I planted sprout? Uh, the seedlings we sprouted that that round. It was a uh, it was about a fifty 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 percent germination. Uh, for okay, some well, reason the ones the ones that it, me and it, Doc planted later that evening with uh, with all the uh, all the time taken. You know, they uh, they got soaked a little longer and. Some other details; those all popped about ninety-five okay. percent. But for the ones we uh, we popped with, with you guys was about fifty-fifty. But they're still all right. Hey, along. you know what? It, it, us, it only takes one to be a gem, so we'll see what happens. Exactly. You don't pop. You don't plant all your seeds expecting them to grow. You just take what you can get. But, uh, but yeah, it's been it's been a beautiful spring up here in NorCal. Uh, we're getting some warm, warm weather and, uh, and, uh, planting, planting one seed at a time for, for medical collective rights. I love uh, it. I love it. Ma- maintain our, our rights as patients to provide, uh, affordable medicine to our friends and family. Um, and, uh, yeah, hoping, hoping we don't take any steps backwards in this legalization uh, front. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Well, I, I wish you the, the continued success, and I look forward to uh, seeing this crop progress. Yeah, totally. You are official member of our uh, Happy Hills Collective uh, up here in NorCal. <laughs> Glad, Glad uh, to be a part. Glad to be a part. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm not too update on any uh, on any cases recently. Other than code enforcement, we have uh, we have big code enforcement issues up in the counties. Uh, it's not so much a criminal uh, uh, threat anymore, but uh, but they are going after people's properties and yeah, they're putting lead lead on properties. Uh, I heard up in Shafta County, anyway. Yeah, all over NorCal and counties that are uh, that are permitting and the ones that aren't permitting. Uh, uh, if you're not, if you don't have a permit, you are, uh, there's a threat, yeah, there's a threat of non-compliance. Uh, so it's up to, it's up to each and every one of us to maintain our, our rights as, as, uh, as medical, uh, medical collectives to, uh, to provide to our patients, uh, even through these code enforcement, uh, these times of changing law are, are just, uh, times of law interpretation and, and uh and and conversations in courtrooms. Uh the conversation's far from over. <laughs> uh but it's uh, it's progressing I I believe. And it sounds like there's a uh, a case in Ohio, uh, a brother in Ohio. Yeah, four patients just following their their laws and a sheriff that didn't like it. I understand Dana Beal was in was in court today. I, I I didn't really catch what happened. Did anybody get any feedback on that? Yeah, Tom's got the details. I'm sure. Dana Beal. All right, Dana Tom. Beale. Why don't you give us the NorCal report? Alex, always a pleasure. Yeah, big love, Joe. Big love, Human Solution Family. Woo! You bet. All right. Thank you, Alex Lyons, and update on Dana Beal. From Tabatha Toms up in Shafter County, uh, we did go up 
We did trek the three-hour trip up over uh, 299. Uh, if you've never done that, uh, it's quite a trip over that mountain out of, out of Redding. Uh, because we heard that it was uh, actually uh, wasn't prelim. It was just prelim setting today. Uh, they go back on June 5th, 6th, uh, for active preliminary hearing, and we'll try to get that to the human dot org. Right, Frank? We can get no, it there. He <laughs> was having trouble I'll with it. <laughs> yeah. What can we do about the calendar, Joe? Well, um, Beck is off on a vacation, but it works when I try to put something on it. I'll 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 see what I can do. Maybe there's a different calendar we can use. The old one. The old one worked good. This new one, every time I submit it, it says it's submitted, and then it never pops up on the calendar. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a little hard to use, Joe. Anyway, uh, also, uh, Jay Statzer is actually uh, the defendant. He was driving. Uh, Dana Beal is actually the co-defendant. Uh, Jay is asking for you know, application with the human solution. He wants to serve the DA. Now, this is something that we, a bridge that we've never crossed, and I thought maybe we'd throw it out here. He might come on today and get some applications of what he needs to do in serving a DA. So what 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 you say on that, Joe? I, I don't really know much about that. I think that um, I, I wish we had more of a legal team that was willing to help, but all the lawyers that have ever helped us in the past have, have gone to do other things, and I, I, I wish I had more answers. Um, I, it's something I've never done before, so I, I really, frankly, don't I don't know what to say. Well, and that's what we told him, and then, listen, I said, well, that's what your attorneys are for, and his attorney was there today. I says, that's what he's for, so, <laughs> yeah, he's carried a ball on that. Okay, Joe, yeah. uh, we're going to get yeah. to work here and do Transplant, looking for you getting back up here with Liz whenever. We love having you up here. I want to thank all I'll the days for. Okay, another great show. Yeah, okay, Joe. Yeah. All right, time for George Martorano. Thank you so much, Tom. And I look forward to seeing you soon again, Tom Corby, with the NorCal Report. All right, folks, this is it, the final act. We've got George Martorano. To come in and give us a little bit of uh, of his experience and maybe a story. George, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hey Joe, how how you? Hi Liz, hi Joe. How's my West Coast family? I'll be seeing you in May. And uh, I'm looking forward. To- yeah, tonight I want to talk about uh, the national plague that we have. We have opioids, and uh, what I've been doing. Uh, what I've been doing uh, is going, uh, you know, one on a one-on-one basis. Tonight I had uh, I had dinner with a wonderful person, and she had uh, uh, she had some problems uh, with pain, and then she got involved with uh, you know prescription drugs and uh, and uh, uh, of opioids, and then she got she got into addiction. But I wanted I wanted to share with the world uh, today that. Uh, you know, we helped her problem by uh, administrating uh, uh, a THC uh, THC edibles and capsules, and uh, really, uh, this is a grandmother, great person, works hard, and she didn't want to get addicted. So we we helped her out, and, and we and we got her on the on the straight and narrow, and it only took uh, 
But Tony took a short time, uh, you know, uh, seeing her and administrating to her. Within three weeks, she was uh, she was off the addiction, and uh, you know, she's doing a protective, protective life. So, you know, uh, what I'm trying to express, uh, ladies and gentlemen, to the the audience out there, you know, you know, advocate work is good, uh, and uh, you know, when you come together and the goal, and you do this and you do that. But the the little things, the one on one, the one on one is important uh, because uh, you know you're dealing with an individual. And since I've been home, we I have turned, I have I believe turned six people's lives around that they were opiate addicted to a cannabis regimen. It's so important. Now what what I have learned is that uh, these people that get on these prescription drugs in the state of uh, state I'm living in. You only get a uh, 30-day supply, but they never make it to the 30 days. They never make it. They always, they're always short 20, uh, 10, to 15, 10, 11 days short. They, they don't have anything. And, uh, you know, they're trying to go on with their life. A lot of them are just, uh, you know, family people. So this is where the, the THC regiment comes in with, uh, you know, helping them to, uh, with their, uh, you know, the old word was the Jones you know, they're getting the Joneses. They're sick. They, they have nowhere to go. What are they going to do? Go to the state store and buy a, a fifth of alcohol to get themselves straight? So the cannabis plays a very important part in these people that are addicted to opioids. You just have to pay attention to them. You have to speak to them. And there's so many. It could be your neighbor. It could be a relative. There's so many people that are strong. And, and the problem is they keep it to themselves. They keep it to themselves, and these people are suffering uh, through their household jobs. If they have a job, they're suffering through addiction. And and believe me, cannabis cannabis helps in a great great way. So you know, we all have to get out there and do it. Like I, I always stress that, you know, the individuality, the one on one helping people. You know, you don't have to get on. I've been on plenty of stages since I've been home. I spoke to thousands since I home, and that's all well and good, but. I pride myself in helping the individual that in dire need. And, uh, you know, I, I don't seek them out. You just bump into them. You talk to them. And before you know, there there is a problem, and we can't help. All us cannabis people can help with this big opioid problem in America, Joe. Well, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I, I've dealt with dozens and dozens of, of opiate-dependent people, and I've experience very similar to what you have is it doesn't, you know, take but a few weeks of, of uh, constant cannabis use to help to wean them off of the, the addiction and the withdrawals. And, uh, you know, it's focused, but cannabis is the gateway out, not the gateway into opiates. It's the way to get free, and if people can learn about that, uh, we can change the world with it. I appreciate, of course, uh you sharing your story and, and your uh, your experience with well, that. I, I, yeah, I plan to go public next week about what I said on the show. I plan to go Excellent. public with this opioid epidemic because we're we're losing so many in different in different ways. Even these people that evolved in the opioid game, they're addicted. They're addicted. They're eating them and they're selling them, and they're lost. They're lost. Uh, there's a young kid in the in the neighborhood is facing a bad situation with the authorities and and meanwhile meanwhile he had, he was going through an addiction state 
and uh, and uh, I tried to do the best I can, but didn't work out too good because he he was arrested. But uh, that's just one case. And then there's 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 you know within within a, a block where you live, there's several cases with opioids, and they're and a lot of them are just they're just suffering quietly. They don't they don't know how they don't know how to help themselves. So yeah, they help themselves through cannabis big time. So you have to get that to, out to an individual basis and talk to people. And, you know, if you walk out tomorrow and you talk to I, I guarantee if you just approach three people that you know or somewhat know, they're going to tell you they have addiction problems, some type of addiction problem. And the cannabis is very, very helpful. You know? I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Well, George, I very much look forward to seeing you again. And, uh, from all of the West Coast family, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're very supportive of, of all your efforts out there, and uh, together we're going to make the difference. Yeah, but it's, yeah, I, plan to, I plan to go more public with uh, cannabis helping the opioid. But the opioid problem isn't, seems not to be going away. It's getting worse. And we're, losing, we're losing 150 people a day. Imagine that, 150 people a day are dead. And uh, you know, I just I just lost a, a family member thirty days ago, and uh, you know we have to we have to make the world understand we have to we have to make them understand that cannabis is is an answer to the I'm not saying complete answer to the opioid problem, but it definitely can help. And we have, we have to get I'm I'm going to go a little more public. I'm trying trying to actually get some local media involved. And uh, you know, because our state, our state went. Uh, we just opened the first dispensary medical in Philadelphia. We're still behind the times at the West Coast, but you know, we're getting there. But meanwhile, you know, the opioid problem is, is escalating in this state. My God, it's escalating. Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Delaware—it's an immense problem. So we have to get the message out there, and that's what I'm going to do. Though. Beautiful. Well. George, you are an inspiration, and uh, we we just uh, support your efforts, and you know together we make the world better. So, George Bartorano, once again, I appreciate you helping uh, close the show down, and I look forward to uh, speaking with you next week. Okay, Joe. Talk to you later. Thank you. Bye, Liz. All right. Have a great week. All right, folks. That's it for today. Um, I want to thank everybody for uh, making the show what it is, and we'll see you all next Wednesday. Hi, I'm Willie Nelson, and the Willie Nelson Teapot Party and I endorse The Human Solution, supporting cannabis prisoners because no one should go to jail for a plant. Little things I should have said and done, you were all.